Good morning. I uh, appreciate the uh, invitation to be with you this week, and um, I'm going to begin by telling you I was a little bit nervous when I was first asked to speak on the subject of angels, and uh, I guess I'm even more nervous now that I've been introduced as an expert. I preached this series here, actually it was in the old building, it was before we moved over to this location, but it's been 12 or 13 years, and I have not preached it since. You may ask, well, why? I guess you'd have to be a preacher to understand this, but, but sometimes you feel good about a sermon or a series, and sometimes you just don't feel quite as good about it. And I never really felt that good about the series. And you're thinking, well, boy, we're really looking forward to this. <laughs> Nothing uh, better than a preacher speaking on a subject he doesn't care anything about, especially when he's been now introduced as an expert on it. But it just, it just didn't, it just didn't uh, seem like something that I wanted to preach again. But when I was asked to speak on it, it, it occurred to me that if, if a series could be remembered 12 years after it was preached, then maybe I need to look at it again. So I got out my notes and went back and restudied the subject and, and decided, you know, this was actually a pretty good series. I don't know why I have not preached it again. So I mentioned this to the brethren at Baldwin, and, and they're all excited about it because when I get back next Sunday, I'm going to begin the same series of lessons there. And I'm excited about it because... This is going to get me back up to speed on the subject, and for the next four or five weeks, uh, my work, for the most part, will be done. I'll be ready to preach. So uh, this is this is good. I don't do this everywhere uh, I go and, and visit, but I'm going to take just a moment to kind of bring you up to speed on, on my life, and uh, because I was here for several years, and just kind of let you know where things are at. We've been in Coleman now for about 10 years. In fact, it'll be uh, actually 11 years this month that, that we left Franklin. And uh, Micah, who was born here, is 12 years old now. And he is my height and will probably soon outgrow his dad. Not that that's saying a lot, but, but he will most certainly outgrow me. Uh, he's 12. He's in sixth grade. Uh, he's a good kid. He obeyed the gospel. Uh, several months ago, and we were real excited about that. And he's very studious. He's not an athletic sort. Uh, he's he's very strong, but uh, his his strength is is mental. He he excels in every area there. Now let's talk about Lydia. By way of contrast, uh, Lydia is eight years old. She's a beautiful little girl. She's uh, very athletic. Uh, runs. She's as fast as lightning. Um, she does make straight A's in school but you have to make her read. Mike, on the other hand, uh, he'll, he'll go out and buy a book and 400 pages and get home from school, and by the time he's gone to bed, he's read it. Uh, they went to the beach last week, and, and my father-in-law gave each one of them $50 to spend on fun things. Micah goes to Books a Million and buys $50 worth of books. Uh, that's just the kind of person he is. Now, Lydia, on the other hand, she can, she can watch TV with the best of them. And uh, she does make straight A's, but it, she, she's more disciplined, organized, works hard. And then we've got Levi. He's the 19-month-old the surprise of 06. 
that's keeping us young, I guess. Paula would say he's making her old, but uh, he's been a, a joy and a blessing. I wish they could have come with me this week, but they were traveling last week. Uh, the two older ones had school tomorrow, and I felt like they needed some wind-down time, and Levi can only take so much of his, his car seat. And it's, it's, you know, I could have brought them to church, and they would have looked good, they would have acted good, but I guarantee you we'd have had a hard time last night, and it would have been stressful and all that. And, and uh, again, I just believe in giving my kids some downtime. Paul is doing well. Um, I quit my job last summer, so I'm after 10 years of employment, I'm now self-employed and, and loving that. My, my aspiration when I started my business, my goal, my objective was daily bread. Uh, I said if I, if I come home and there's enough food in the refrigerator and the pantry and, and we eat for a day, then, then I will be happy. And that was nine months ago and, and we're still eating. So, uh, so that's going well. I'm working with the church now. We were with South Coleman for about six or seven years, I guess. When I first moved back to Coleman, for two years I was a fill-in preacher. I worked with about three different congregations over a two- or three-month period, and I would fill in preach while they were between preachers, which was really nice. I mean, I had two years of the honeymoon period with different congregations. And then I settled at South Coleman, worked as a deacon there, and as their, their second preacher, I guess you would say, with Mason Harris. And then a couple of years ago, in fact, it would be two years at the end of uh, next month, I uh, started working with the church, uh, Baldwin Church of Christ. Uh, had known those brethren for years. I was baptized with that group, and they asked me to come and work with them. We, we have 140, 150 uh, in attendance on Sunday. Uh, the church has been in existence 30 years. I'm really excited. They never had elders. We appointed four elders and uh, seven deacons last year, and we're about to expand our building, and, and it's just been a real good work. I was very nervous and hesitant about going there, just again because of the change. My wife told me recently, with changing churches, changing jobs, having Levi, she said, I don't want any more change. I'm tired of change. And, uh, of course, my attitude is uh, I'm, I'm not a tree, I'm a cloud, so I, I love change. And uh, it's it's been good for us. So that's kind of where we're at, and, again, thank you for inviting me, and I am excited about this series. I, I think this will uh, be of a, a benefit to all of us, and it's been good for me to go back and, and restudy the, the angels of God. This is a topic that should be a part of our, our base of knowledge. I don't believe you have to understand what the Bible teaches about angels in order to become a Christian, but I do believe that as you mature in your faith and as you study the Bible, you need to familiarize yourself with this subject, just as is true with any other Bible subject. There's misunderstanding. There is abuse of the topic. Uh, there's a lot of mysticism attached to it, and that's not going to be the approach that we take in this study. We're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture together. I'm going to ask you to flip in your Bible with me. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, take notes. We're going to be looking at a lot of facts. If I speculate on any area of this this subject, it will be based upon a, a, a solid fact that is stated in Scripture. I'm not going to speculate from nothing. I'm going to take something that is taught in, in the Bible, and I'll tell you what I think about it. But uh, let me ask you, before we begin 
since this is class, I think I can, I can feel comfortable doing that. Why should we study angels? Why should we study this topic? What do you think? Okay, best answer is it's in the Bible. It's, it's a Bible subject, and if it's in the Bible, then we, we need to study it. Other reasons that you can think of that would motivate you to want to learn more about, about angels. Okay, we don't know a lot about angels. Why don't we know a lot about angels? Well, we don't know a lot about them, maybe because we haven't studied the subject, but why else would we not know a lot about angels? We don't have first-hand experience with them, do we? At least not in terms of what we can actually see. Someone offered something over here. Okay, okay. I knew somebody would eventually uh, make a comment that would take me into my, my slides. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14. The Hebrew writer is arguing the superiority of Christ and Christianity to the old system of Judaism because the Hebrews were being tempted to, to go back because of persecution and, and, and perhaps uh, leave Christianity. And there is a statement that, that is made in that first chapter that just causes us to wonder. They are ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. Does that impact my life? Absolutely. I am a child of God. It is my expectation that I will, I will inherit ultimately salvation, and that someday I will live with God forever. And what this passage teaches me is that the angels are involved in some way in serving me. They are involved in some way in serving you. They are ministering spirits. They are servants. And they serve for the benefit of those who are Christians. Now, whether that means that right now they are at work or whether it means that they were at work in the past. And we will see for, for certain, as we review the Scriptures together this week, that they were involved in the past and they definitely provided service in the unfolding scheme of redemption. Whether they were involved just then or they are actually involved today, and I think by the end of this week, you'll have a little bit of insight such that you can reach your own conclusion as to whether they are involved today or not. But whether or not that's true, the truth is they are ministering spirits. And if they play some role in my salvation, that should motivate me to learn more about them. As we think more about that question, why should we study about angels, as has already been stated, it is a biblical subject, and therefore it is worthy of our attention. This word actually occurs some 300 times in our English Bibles. It's, it's one of those words that when you read the Bible, you, you see it, you read it, but maybe because of familiarity with it and maybe because of lack of knowledge, you really don't, you don't engage the intellect. As, as you read a passage, you're, you're more concerned with all the words that are, that are found around the word angel 
in that particular verse than you are with the word angel and how it relates to that particular verse. And there's a lot of words in the Bible like that. And so when we see a reference such as this, that it occurs 300 times, we sort of step back and say, wow, I didn't realize that. The Hebrew word, which is used to describe angels, occurs 108 times in the Old Testament. Did you realize when you read through the Old Testament that that word was found that many times? The Greek term occurs about 186 times in the New Testament. Again, if if it's in the Bible, to that extent, I ought to want to learn more about these spirit beings. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, a very familiar text, that all Scripture is profitable for teaching. Therefore, the Scriptures relating to angels are a profitable area of study for, for the Christian. I don't want this to be a, 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 an exercise in academia. I don't want us to be a, just familiarizing ourselves with a bunch of Bible facts. So as I go through this series, what I'm going to share with you is why this fact is important to me. The difference this makes in my life. And what has really come to impress me in this study again is just how close we are to angels. You know, the Bible says that God made man a little lower than the angels. Angels themselves claim to be fellow servants with us, fellow servants of God. Someday, when we go to heaven, our eternal destiny is described in terms such that we're going to be like the angels. So again, as, as I mull all that over, as I, as I meditate upon that, I am motivated to learn more about these beings. And I actually find myself in some way becoming closer to them, knowing that they're real, knowing that they exist, knowing that they're there to help me, is very, very motivational. And as is true with so much of the Bible, I believe that information is there for us. God wants us to know that he has done everything possible for our salvation. He wants us to be in heaven. And here he has, he has these powerful beings that are at work for us and that care about us. So we should be motivated to study about angels. Another reason why we should want to study about angels is because of the significant role that they played in the life of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I am a Christian. I am in Christ. And I want to learn as much about the life of Jesus as I possibly can. As I read through the Gospel accounts, I can't help but be impressed with how often I find references to angels and the impact that they had upon the public ministry of Jesus. Angels announced Christ's birth. You remember in the first chapter of the book of Luke when we, we learn of the pregnancy of, uh, of Mary, the mother of Jesus, there was an angel of God by the name of Gabriel who was sent to Mary with a very special message. And the message was that she would be with child. And that that child that would be conceived in her 
womb would be the result of a, a miraculous conception. And that the child would come in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Here is all this, this wonderful news. And this is, this is where I see a, a common bond with the angels. They were gospel preachers. They were preachers of the good news of Jesus Christ. And here Gabriel is, a messenger sent by God to communicate that to Mary, the mother of Christ. Later on, when her fiancé, Joseph, learned of the pregnancy, he was concerned about that. He was concerned about the fact that his, his bride was pregnant. And he, being a good man, had made the decision to, to put her away secretly. But in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 1, we see that after considering this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And that angel told Joseph not to be afraid. And that what was happening here was a part of God's plan. And that she had conceived of the Holy Spirit. In Luke, the second chapter, we also see further an example where after Jesus was born, it was announced, that is, the good news of the birth of this infant was announced to shepherds. And we're familiar with that story. But it was an angel of the Lord in Luke chapter 2 and verse 9 who suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. And, and look at what the angel says. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you what? I bring you good news. He again is sharing the gospel. He is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And then in the same chapter, we see in verse 13, suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, and they were praising God, and they were saying, Glory to God in the highest, and, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. It came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven. The angels were there. They were there to announce the birth of Christ. They were there when Jesus was born. They protected Jesus as an infant. When it became apparent that Herod was making plans and was seeking to put this child to death, we see that an angel came to Joseph, and the angel warned Joseph of what was taking place. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and, and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And then later, as the danger passed in verse 19, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. And now the angel says, it's okay. The trouble, the trouble has passed. So the angels protected Jesus as an infant. They ministered to Jesus during and after his temptation. Again, this is one of those, this is, this is one of those references that, that kind of escapes our attention sometimes. We're familiar with how Christ was tempted to sin. We appreciate that story, and, and it helps us to uh, uh, see him as a, a high priest who can sympathize with us in, in our weaknesses. But in Mark chapter 1 and verse 13, we see that he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beast, and the angels were ministering to him. And then in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 11, 
a parallel account of the temptation of Jesus. After that temptation, the devil left him, and behold, angels came, and they began to minister to him. See that in your mind's eye. Try. In some way, here the angels are once again, rushing to the aid of Christ, rushing to the aid of the Son of Man. An angel strengthened Jesus while he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And again, you're familiar with that story. How that Jesus prayed to God and he said, God, remove this cup from me. Jesus was, was well acquainted with the suffering. He knew that he was about to, to bear the burden of the sins of mankind. And the disciples seemingly were not much help at that time. But look again. Let your eyes rest upon that passage in Luke chapter 22 and Note in verse 43, Luke chapter 22 and, and, and verse 43. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Again, an angel is coming to the aid of, of Jesus. Angels announced his resurrection in all four gospel accounts. All four gospel accounts. We have a record of the angels being involved and announcing the resurrection of Jesus after his suffering, after his passion, and after his resurrection. They attended his ascension back to heaven. We see that in the first chapter of, of the book of Acts. Now again, as we look at all these passages, and we see the, the, the role that, that the angels played in the life of Jesus, should we want to learn more about them? What about when, when the Lord returns? When the Lord returns, the Bible teaches us that angels will return with him. The angels will come back with Jesus. So the angels were there to announce his birth. They, they were there when, when he was born. They assisted him throughout the, the troublesome times of his life. They, they protected him. And when he returns, they'll be with him. Again, that amount of information alone should be enough to motivate us to want to learn more and study about the angels. But not only did they play or did they play a significant role in the life of Jesus, they play a significant role in our lives as well. Angels have a great interest in man's salvation. Did you know that? I do want you to look at these verses with me. Turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 and verse 7, Jesus tells us, I tell you in the same way that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And then in verse 10, in the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now think about that. Hear the angels in heaven. Every time a sinner repents of sin here on this earth, every time somebody obeys the gospel of Jesus, think about what's going on in heaven. The angels are singing praises to God. The angels are excited about the fact that here again, these earth beings, who were made a little bit lower than they, 
God, in His infinite wisdom, in His infinite mercy, has devised this plan whereby these individuals might be saved of their sin. And they sing praises to God. Should we not have an interest in these spirit beings who, who have such great interest in us? Now let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. I've always been amazed at this passage. 1 Peter chapter 1, when Peter was writing about the, the prophets of old, he says in verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 1, As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful search and inquiry, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. And what that's saying is that the, pro the prophets, even though they were being moved by God's Holy Spirit to foretell the events concerning the suffering and the death of Jesus, they didn't always understand what they were saying. It reminds me of, of when the eunuch was reading from the book of Isaiah, and the Holy Spirit sent Philip to him on that desert road to Gaza, and he was reading of the suffering servant, and, and the eunuch raised the question, is the, the prophet writing of himself or of someone else? I'm sure from their perspective, that was not an easily answered question we can look back with, with complete knowledge and we can answer that question. But the prophets themselves, I don't believe they always understood what they were writing because they didn't have complete knowledge. They had the revelation given to them by God. But they made careful search and inquiry because they wanted to understand salvation. They wanted to, understand, they wanted to be able to, to draw back the curtain of heaven and look in the mind of God and see exactly what it was that, that God was saying through them about these future events. Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things, which have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. But now look at the latter part of that, that passage. Things into which angels long to look. This This plan of salvation whereby mankind might be saved. The unfolding of that plan, the revelation of that plan. Here are the angels. And I'm, I'm speculating here. I'll go ahead and tell you that. This is, this is what I'm seeing. But here are the angels in heaven scratching their heads, wondering, why would God do this? Here are these sinful creatures. Here are these sinful beings. They've sinned since the time that God made them. And yet God has shown patience. He has shown long-suffering. He has sent prophet after prophet. He has been patient with the nation of Israel, His, his chosen nation. He sent His Son, with whom they were familiar, because He was eternal Himself. They knew Jesus in heaven. And now they see this Jesus giving up the glory he had with God and coming to earth and living among sinful men. And not only living among sinful men, but becoming sin for man. Hanging on the cross. Crying out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why would God do that? Here the angels are longing to understand themselves. 
They have an interest in our salvation. I'm not alone. I'll never forget Jim Franklin when I was here many, many years ago. He's not here. Jim and Bessie left. But I remember we were talking about angels one time, and, and Jim asked the question, do you ever just feel like you're not alone? Now, Jim's pretty conservative. In fact, Jim's real conservative. I can say that about him since he's not here. But that was a pretty uh, pretty progressive statement on, on angels. And what he was suggesting was that maybe we're not alone. And again, regardless of how far you take that, I do know with certainty that the angels see what's happening. They, they see and they know what's happening here. And, and they are concerned about me. They see me when I sin. They don't know what's going through my mind. They're not, they're not omniscient like God, but they can see me when I sin. I know that because when I repented of my sins, they rejoiced, so they knew what was going on. But again, they have interest in me, and they have interest in, in my salvation. Angels minister to those who will inherit salvation. We've already seen that in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14. And again, what does that mean? Does that mean that in some way the angels are at work now? I will just go ahead and jump ahead a little bit. I believe what I can establish from Scripture is that there is spiritual warfare taking place in the heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 6 teaches that. I can go back to the Old Testament and I can see how that, for example, the, the angel Michael, my favorite, was engaged in, in spiritual warfare that affected the destiny of nations. Now, it's hard for me to believe that given the fact that God is sovereign and that He continues, I am confident, He, he, he didn't just push the, the autopilot button when, when, when Jesus died. I believe that God is still involved in, in the destiny of nations. That's why we are to pray for rulers. Why would I pray for rulers if, if God wasn't going to be act, uh, motivated to act in response to that prayer? And so in some way, those angels may still be involved in that spiritual warfare. And, and when I pray to God, could it not be possible that they, as ministering spirits, are still at, at, at work in the unfolding of God's providence for my benefit? But again, regardless of whether you want to take it that far or not, I know, based on what I've seen this morning, just, just in their, their involvement in the life of Jesus, they ministering to Him ministered to me. Because in their ministering to Him, they played a part, ultimately, in His sacrifice, in His willingness to go to the cross, in Him mustering the strength to do that so that I can be saved. Knowing their interest in, in my salvation leads me to think, once again, that they're still at work in some way to help me go to heaven. Upon man's death, the angels escort the righteous to Abraham's bosom. 
You know the story, not the parable, but the story of the rich man and Lazarus. What about when we die? I remember when my father passed away of cancer a few years ago. I wanted to be there by his side because I, I, I wanted to sense the presence of those angels. That would have been comforting to me. I, I stayed up with him all night. Uh, but as fate would have it or as God would have it, we left for about 30 minutes to go back to the house. My mom was with him and he passed away. But isn't it comforting to know that when a loved one passes, that the angels are there? They're there, and they're, they're taking that loved one to paradise. Again, what an interest they have in the salvation of man. And then finally, the redeemed will someday become like angels. I didn't say they will become angels. I said they will become like angels. In Luke, the 20th chapter, we'll, we'll close with this passage. As Jesus was discussing the resurrection and addressing the questions that were in the minds of those on that subject. He said in verse 34 of Luke chapter 20 that the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for neither can they die anymore, for they are like angels, and they are sons of God, being sons of of the resurrection. The passage doesn't teach that we will become angels. It teaches that we will be like them. So to study their nature is to learn more about our eternal destiny. The more I know about angels, the greater will be my insight into my own eternal destiny as one who will inherit salvation.